Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network. This is where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey, and our mentors might provide that roadmap for the journey. We have been blessed over the last three and a half years to have mentors who have paved the pathway for many players, coaches, and uh, quite frankly, been assistance to me over the years. Um, today we have a special guest, uh, Coach Tom Farham. I think we have a special topic, but we regularly have over the last three years, mentors like Alan Fox, uh, Chuck Reese, Dr. John Murray, uh, energy coach Linda LeClaire, uh, coach Scott Williams, Dr. Bryce Young. We've also been blessed to have many uh, college coaches like uh, and professional coaches like Nick Saviano, coach Scott Engie, uh, Coach Ashley Hobson, who hopefully will join us later on today, uh, and many other college coaches and high school coaches. We've also had USTA officials, PTR, and USPTA executive directors, and we've been blessed over the last three and a half plus years to have people that brought products into uh, our tennis industry. Uh, some of these products are very, very successful. In the early days, uh, one of our first uh, broadcasts was, well, matter of fact, a few of them were with people with new products. I've been asked to go back and doing that again and do a second broadcast uh, each uh, week, but I can tell you that's not going to happen. At 78 years old, uh, I feel blessed to be able to uh, do this. Uh, my limited hours on the tennis court and writing for Florida Tennis Magazine. Uh, I'm pacing yourself uh, becomes very important. And speaking of uh, Florida Tennis Magazine, we've also been blessed to have the publisher and editor and founder of Florida Tennis Magazine, uh, Jim Martz, uh, on the broadcast. We might be moving our format around, though, uh, either now or I don't know if we'll do it before the beginning of the year or not. In January, it'll be our starting our fourth year of doing this. So uh, I'll let you know as soon as I know. But, of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen anytime you choose to these broadcasts. On Wednesday, uh, Chuck Reese and American Tennis is on, and now on Sundays we have the coaches uh, corner with Randy Blumendale. Um, quite frankly, I listen to both of them. I think you will enjoy the show. I seldom listen to them live because I'm usually tied up at that time, although this week I did listen uh, to uh, Chuck Reese's uh, broadcast uh, live yesterday, but uh, the great thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen whenever you want to do it. 
I would like to also thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you're missing out on some useful information. Because I do believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday, you will normally hear my personal views on North American uh, tennis. Uh, today, truthfully, I do not have a uh, commentary, uh, simply because uh, I think this is an important uh, subject. I know um, Jim March has asked me to uh, write uh, an article on it, which, uh, you know, quite frankly, I'm looking to do two things at one time here, uh, bring in who I think is an authority on the uh, subject, Tom Farman, uh, and I will explain to you in a little while why that is. Um, but uh, I think if you want to hear my commentary, uh, the best thing to do, quite frankly, would be to get the next issue of uh, the Florida Tennis Magazine. Um each, as I said, each Thursday, normally you will hear my biased views on the tennis journey, and you will hear how I believe it should be going through high schools and colleges. Who knows? Together we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school uh, tennis before it is too late. And besides our weekly conversation, the Almighty Willen, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I previously expressed, <clears throat> I'm sorry, something uh, in my throat there. As I previously uh, uh, expressed, uh, if you disagree with my views, please email me and let me know. That's Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Who knows, you may read your views in Florida tennis, or you may uh, hear them on uh, future broadcast of Coach Denise Sharon Tennis Blessings. It wouldn't be the first time uh, that has happened. I understand uh, that everybody doesn't agree with my views, uh, but I am who I am, and I'm going to give you my views uh, as I believe them to be, but I do respect your views, and as long as we can intelligently discuss them if you disagree with me. Uh, I want to uh, hear them, and uh, I think we should be discussing uh, different points of view. Uh, and maybe it's uh, because of uh, my age. Uh, I don't know, uh, but uh, uh, I think of uh, Ben Franklin when he, uh, in the conventional uh, uh, Constitutional Convention when uh, he stated that uh, something like, don't quote me, but uh, I find that uh, my, I respect the views of others more lately. And uh, I think I've done that for quite a while, but I think we should all respect other people's uh, views. So uh, I would ask you uh, to uh, please um if you disagree with me, contact me. Uh, we will get your uh, views on. Excuse me a second. 
turn that off in case he calls me. Listen to this. Turn. I'm sorry. I'm waiting for Tom Farm to call in, and I just want to make sure my other phones are uh, available just in case. So I'm going to I see some callers calling in. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to take uh, calls. I'm going to ask you, you know, to be patient. If you want to listen live, that's good. But I'm not going to be taking calls because there are a few people that did uh, text and say they might have a different view or they might have something to add to the conversation. And uh, uh, if they call, I want to be able to, uh, you know, take those calls. So be patient with me, please, and we'll get uh, through that. But um, I would like to just remind you that if uh, someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Or in between issues now, you can go and find some of Jim Martz's and my articles on uh, Facebook. If you go to Facebook at FL tennis, uh, you'll be able to see those issues too. There's a lot of things that happen in between issues. Some of them we save for the next issue of Florida Tennis Magazine, and some of them uh, truthfully are too important to, uh, you know, uh, just uh, wait until the next issue comes out. I am still, uh, I'm chattering because I am still waiting for uh, Tom Farham to uh, call in, uh, but let me tell you something uh, about him. And uh, well, uh, I try to call Tom Farm, please. All right, let me uh, tell you a little something about him. Those of you that uh, don't know, uh, he is well. Your high school coaches should know because he is the author of the Little Green Book which is an outstanding uh, book, not just for uh, college coaches. Well, I think I see him on now. Hang on a second. I don't want John. to. John. Tom, are you there? Uh, yes, I am, as a matter of fact. I'm sorry we got uh, had a misunderstanding, but uh, I'm here. Can you hear me all right? I, I can hear you fine. I was just uh, getting ready to uh, tell those of the people that don't know uh, just introduce you, uh, and, and like I was saying, uh, I've been blessed, and my wife Bobby and I have been blessed to uh, meet Tom personally and uh, his uh, lovely bride, but um, those of you that don't know, he is an ITA Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, you know, that's just a, a prestigious uh, organization, but one that we've had uh, quarrels with at times, so like I previously stated, you know, let's remember who these organizations are before we start to condemn them because outstanding people have gone through them. But besides being a 40-plus-year uh, tennis coach, he's produced three national championships, and that really at three different levels, too, the NIAI, the uh, NCAA Division Two, and NCAA Division One. And, of course, he's a, a much-respected teacher and administrator 
And like I had told you earlier, he's uh, coached, uh, he's authored a little green uh, book of tennis, which was my own bias of tennis and everything I uh, I love. But he also has authored other books that are just as important, too. So, uh, Tom, I would like to, as we discussed before, to get into uh, college uh, tennis. Uh, the subject is getting livelier uh, in the last few years. And as a matter of fact, uh, our uh, editor and of the uh, Florida, uh, Florida Tennis Magazine has asked me to write an article about it. And that's, as I've told you before, one of the reasons I want to talk to you. I've read some of the uh, stuff that you produce, but if you would, I'm going to kind of leave the mic to you. I'm going to be here. I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, I might interrupt you, but don't let me uh, talk too long because what you have to say is so uh, important. But uh, we do have a problem in, uh, for American scholarships. Everybody beats up on the coaches all the time, and it's, the problem is not that simple. Uh, I saw your letter, uh, and I saw the response uh, that you had. Uh, well, this is a battle. Why do you tell the people how long you've been involved in this battle? Well, now, um, tell me a little bit about my audience. Now, are there other panel people, or are we going to have people call in? I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this, John. Um uh, at about seven, uh, at about um, six twenty, we'll have Ashley Hobson will be calling in. I've I don't take uh, live calls over there, but there also there will be a couple callers that might come. But I've extended this to a ninety-minute program, so from now until uh, about six twenty, you're the star of the show. All right. Well, uh, I'm not much of a star. I'm a beat-up old man. I, I'm approaching 80 years old, and you understand that, that we've been out of some of the mainstream of things, uh, And uh, but uh, some of them are certainly applicable now, and we certainly do have the same issue that um, reappears uh, any number of ways and with any number of opinions. And as you say, there are a lot of different uh, sides that this thing comes from from and I have uh, what I've tried to do is to uh, make available the information to people on just how uh, tough the deal is and then what you really need to do is find a way to uh, make some progress and get the American kids back in the uh, possibility of being in the lineup Uh, what I have done and the, the people who are listening, if the people who are listening are really interested in what I have to say, uh, then I I have written seven books. One of them is a little green book of tennis uh, based on Harvey Pinnock's uh, Little Red Book of Golf and that method. And it was geared at helping uh, high school tennis coaches. Now, there are a lot of great high school tennis coaches, and a lot of them understand and can coach high school tennis better than I could. But there are an awful lot of programs throughout any number of areas 
that uh, have coaches that don't know what they're doing or have trouble even getting anybody to coach the team. And then they get in there very, very limited and have no uh, idea what to do. So this book was a, a series of 180 uh, different lessons about uh, geared at uh, the players, the coaches, and the teams. Now, um, I mentioned this book, and I, re- I believe in this book, and but I'm not selling books. I'm not even uh, in any kind of money business anymore. And But what I am saying to you that I have about four or five ways, that if you want to know what I know or pretend to know or do know, uh, then you go to my uh, books and to uh, the, the uh, blog that I have. So I have a a blog that is, I'm going to go slow here, and I sent this to you in an email, John. Uh, I wasn't sure about how to get on, so right at the last minute, I sent you an email that has um, the blog, which is www.tomparham at wordpress, W-R-D-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Now, I mentioned that one. Uh, I mentioned that's the way to go to these blog articles, and I'm going to cover some of them, uh, much related to this international issue. But there's a, a ton of instruction. There's uh, other topics. But uh, if anybody really wanted to be serious about it, then I put my phone number. I've given you my phone number. And then the other thing that is on a, a PDF, which means you can access it uh, freely and on your uh, computer is a it's really not as much a book as it is a manual it's geared at helping uh, people through any number of things but what it does specifically that applies to uh, this particular uh, topic is the second half of that book is entirely on the history of the international tennis issue and so uh, if, if you all you have to do is go to the uh, two different blogs. You can get both of them freely. You can access both of these informations freely. Now, the uh, the blog on now, helping. Tom, a lot of people say this issue goes back to the 1970s. Is that about right, or does it go back further than that, or are we should we address it from the 70s on, or what? I think that um, my information about it, is, it goes back to the 70s. Let me give the, put out these two little informations. The, the two blogs that are free uh, and the book is free are uh, blog number 176 and blog 164. So let me start with there, and then, then let me tell you where we've got. If you want to go back from history, uh, for example, in that second book, there's a letter from a lawyer who dealt with the legality of whether the NAI, NAI at that time I was an NAI coach, uh, that meeting occurred in the 1970s. Now, there were international athletes in other sports and people in tennis uh, prior to that time, but the NAI had a rule that said you could only have one international student to play in a national tournament. They could play all year long if you wanted to, but the, basically the, the tournament was for American tennis players. That was an NAI rule. Um, <clears throat> that got brought into question, and the NAI voted to open the deal up. So uh, one man said at that point, uh, half of Mexico will be up here, and they'll be in uh, Pan America and all these Texas schools. But he was wrong. It was uh, Mercyhurst, the college in Pennsylvania, 
brought in six kids from Finland, and they won the tournament the next year. And so a tournament that had been uh, Florida versus Texas versus California, uh, the sunny states, the ones that had the good weather, had the better teams. And, of course, California was really ahead of everybody. And so I began to uh, scratch my head and say, what's going on here? Does that mean all these guys that I can recruit at my little small college, are they out of the deal? And they pretty much have been run out of the deal. So um, the culminating article that you may have seen goes from 1970 to really uh, the uh, March of uh, uh, March of 2017. When I wrote the NCAA, and I, I got to say that the head man, Dr. Emmert, who was the head of the NCAA, wrote me a nice letter back, and I I will uh, I'm going to read just one sentence from that letter. Um, he says, uh, ultimately, the NCAA's goal is to ensure that college sports will remain a pathway to opportunity for all student-athletes. As long as students are eligible to play in the NCAA and meet our academic standards, it is up to the schools and the coaches to decide which student-athletes are admitted. Now, that's a pretty much a that's You're dealing with some big organizations, Uh my son said you need a, uh, a guerrilla bureaucrat. You need somebody big enough to to, uh, to move, to get action. But one of those big actors, maybe the most important one, is the NCAA. The ITA, as you know, is an affiliate of the NCAA. They provide, provide the nuts and bolts and do the uh, the work of the thing, but it really comes under the purview of the NCAA, and the NCAA is the members. They're the schools that pay the dues. So uh, you, you have the big actors of the NCAA, uh, the uh, USTA, uh, you have uh, the colleges themselves, you have the parents as a big entity that has a, a thing to say, uh, but ultimately, uh, it comes under the purview of the NCAA. He's just told you in a sentence, we're going to let anybody play from anywhere as long as the schools say so and they meet the standards of the NCAA. So that's the history of that thing. I had to, uh, I appreciated the man writing me a letter back, and I wrote him back a response which simply says uh, there's more to the issue than that as far as American kids go. Uh, people right now are wondering why the heck we've gone to hell in a handbasket as far as having any talented American professional players. I'm in the home state of John Isner, of course. Uh, I watched him grow up, and he's the best we've had in the last 15 years. But we haven't uh, had the kind of top-level pro players uh, that existed, and the question uh, becomes why. Uh, and I, you know, I try to address that. When you boil down to it, uh, I've talked to Tim Russell of the ITA. I've talked to Paul Lovers of the USDA, and uh, of course Emmert with the NCAA. All of them have responded to me. They all have uh, positioned. And what really we ran into right off the bat was the legality of the thing. Uh, could do you have the right to say? that you can, uh, quote, discriminate against uh, international players. And 
when the issue came up to say, well, let's let's have a quota on this deal. Let's give 50% of our money to Americans and uh, uh, 50% to international players, or uh, another kind of con- some other kind of configuration. Then everybody everywhere found a way to say that that's a discrimination on the basis of national origin. It's unconst- unconstitutional. In that uh, um, uh, manual that I wrote on helping, if you'll go through that, you'll find a letter from uh, John Morrell, who's a, a lawyer, and uh, I had his son on my team, and he did the legal work to say that he essentially, as a lawyer, he felt like the NCAA had the right to say, uh, we're not an actor of the state, which means we're not beholden to the Constitution as far as what's best for our institution. We could do that. And at that time, the ITA uh, president was uh, David Benjamin, who was a workhorse and really put all of that together. And uh, I think that at that point, Benjamin was convinced that it was the right thing to do for uh, American college tennis. Uh, and went to bat for it, and the organization member, the the members of the ITA are the coaches, and they voted. In fact, to go ahead and have a 50-50 rule, uh, saying that 50% of your money was um, was uh, the right thing to do, keep some Americans in the ball game. All right. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm saying, hey, we made some progress. We're going to see something happen here, because already at that point. In the NAI, the NAI at that point, if you said they were the small college tennis, but the NAI and really tennis in particular became the first where there was just a flood of this. So uh, those kids found out, and I was right in the middle of all of it. I mean, I'm, you, you said it earlier, the coaches, uh, you know, we get one nuclear weapon, they get two, and we got in an arms race with international players, and the next thing you know, you'd have we'd have 50 seated players out in Kansas City, and 43 of them would be international. It's not a small problem. Um, so uh, I thought we had the thing turned, and then all of a sudden there was a deathly silence, uh, silence in the whole deal. Nobody was saying anything. And I, well, they're going to do this. They voted to do this, and then it was all just sort of called off. And I'm not sure this is what happened, but I was told pretty closely that the big boys, the uh, NCAA, people from the Southeastern Conference and the uh, Big Ten and uh, all got together and said, look, we we like it because we can win and we want to keep our jobs. And if you um, put in rules like that, we will leave the ITA. You will, you will wither up and die because you won't have the quality teams in there. And I think that there were some cold feet that came along right in there. Now, I had a parent that called me from Tennessee. I don't. I'm not. I'm retired. I live at the beach. I had a parent that called me uh, two or three days ago because he's got a daughter and he's seeing this thing coming, and he's seen that I've had a, taken some stances about it. Uh, and he, well, what do I do? Well, the parents, I think, need to get up on their hind legs, particularly with the state schools where they're paying their tax money is going to internationals. If the money goes to international and $200 million per year go to international players in tennis in America, that is not a small amount of money. Uh, 
then I think the parents have a right to get in there and do the best they can to change that so that their kids have a chance. Um, the in the in the long run, uh, and I'm this guy, the guy I just talked to was a lawyer, and he's saying, "Well, I, that ought to be dealt with. There ought to be some way to deal with that." Well, I, I go back to the guerrilla bureaucrat, um, the uh, the fact that you need somebody big in there now. Oracle, the ultra rich tech outfit, is the totally the big sponsor for college tennis, and when their headline. Uh, Ironically, uh, according to the, to the uh, in accordance with the national headlines, they, their statement, the headline statement, is to say, "Let's make America, let's make American tennis great again." Well, uh, I'm all for that. Well, how do you do that? When we get right, right down to what went awry, uh, it boiled down to um, scholarships. Uh, the only way, and everybody listening to this thing knows anything about tennis, junior tennis, knows that the tremendous amount of us expense to get to be good enough to play uh, at the high levels of junior tennis and certainly at college levels. So you've got to make it. There's no telling how much money is spent on this thing for people to get qualified to get scholarships. Um, then you, uh, if you're one of the very rare people, that can play uh, professional tennis. The history of North Carolina, we've had Isner and Tim Wilkerson and Sadry, maybe a couple of women that made enough to feed themselves for a semester. We had uh, uh, Andy Andrews played out there in the tour, but Andy's a businessman now in Raleigh. He makes more a year than he met all those guys put together made on the tour. So it's very, very rare that a person can uh, make a living, make enough money to sustain themselves playing anything, and tennis about as hard as any of it. Now, the only other thing, and I say the only other thing, you can become a teaching pro, and a lot of American kids, I think who's teaching American tennis now, are the seven, eight, nine guys that didn't get to play much, but they stayed there and hung with it. But the best players in college tennis aren't teaching tennis in America because they go back to their home countries. And so uh, the next thing you know is you run in right off the bat uh, in the NAI, AI stood up and made a plea to say, hey, let's, uh, you got 32 people seated and uh, 28 of them are internationals. Let's take care of our kids a little bit. Well, then I'm saying the next thing I hear, I'm a southern guy, and so every time I open my mouth, but if somebody thinks I'm a xenophobic uh, racist, and uh, that sort of was drug out on the carpet, and I stood there and told the coach, I said, uh, the Jewish kids and the black kids and the uh, Muslim kids are not the people that are keeping our children out of the lineup. Uh, the lineup was 256 people, and of the top 50 people, 43 or 4 of them were international. It's not... It's not a small thing at all. I looked at the rosters of the top five teams in Division Two two years ago. There were 63 players on the combined five teams' rosters, and 62 of them were international. And they didn't come over here without a scholarship. Scholarships are the clue to the whole thing. Uh, it costs you $250,000 to go to four years of a private school. Uh, and... When you give that money to internationals, that becomes foreign aid. 
Now, if they come over here and pay their way, I think anybody that comes over here and pays their way, he's got as much right as anybody to play over here. I wouldn't discriminate against a team member being international. But uh, I, I keep saying the way, the only way that there's a, there's an, I read an article this week about why don't we get good athletes to play tennis. Well, why would a good athlete elect to play tennis when he knows he can't get a scholarship? When we have a, a, a big-time school in our state, I won't call the name of it, but they had a brother that played, was a fine player for this institution. His younger brother said, look, coach, I want to go to the same school. And the coach who changed coaches, the coach said to this guy, he says, uh, we're only interna- we're only recruiting international players, and yet that that within that uh, area with that team they never could beat a Division two team they played every year who played with all American kids. Now, what has happened, of course, is this is not limited to tennis. Any sport that you deal with that is an international sport is going to have an influx of those people. Why? America is the only country in the world that charges higher education with entertaining the public. Now, that's football. That's market sports. But uh, I talked to a person yesterday who talked to me about how the Germans, you, once you get to be 15, 16, you elect a track. Is it going to be uh, sports or is it going to be university? You can't be in those countries and keep playing on a team and get a degree. You can do that in America. It's unique, and it's a tremendous uh, come on to people from all over the world. And I don't blame them. I, it's a, uh, people say that uh, you, to be a pro, you've got to be a LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or one of these phenoms at 15 or 16. But, uh, and I'll grant you that those rare talents, they know pretty early on where they are. But you, the only two players, we had two players, four, two of the four players in the Wimbledon finals, John Isner and uh, uh, what's the South African kid's name, uh, played the semifinals, a, a great match that, uh, gosh, I can't call the guy's name. Uh, Anderson. Anderson, that's right. That kid played college tennis. And I'll guarantee right. you that if Isner or Anderson, either one, they will tell you that they would have never been able to play at the pro level they're playing uh, coming out at 17 or 18 years old. The pros would have chewed them up. That's why we red. That's why we redshirt people in football. A kid who's 18 is not nearly going to be as big and as strong and as tough and as good as he is when he's 20 or 19 or 20. Even a year makes a lot of difference. So uh, Isner. Oh, I, I saw him play high school tennis twenty times. He couldn't have made. He couldn't have fed himself a mayonnaise sandwich on the pro tour. But if he goes to Georgia, gets good coaching, plays it uh, thirty, forty matches a year, then that's the thing that enabled him to uh, become a pro level player. The people uh, are now they're they're criticizing that system. I hear all the time that the American system is no good. Let me show you where the American system, how good it is. The training and the athletic programs in the United States of America is the best training ground in the world. And you look at one sport, uh, soccer, 
is the largest, uh, the number of people in the world play soccer more than any other sport. Our men have never won, never won the World Cup. Our women have won it three times since 1970. Why? Because Title IX came in and made it available to to women, made sports available to women. Uh, so we got a team that wins the World Cup three times since 1970. And where are they from? All 23 girls on that roster. And the coach is Dorrance, and he's the American Training Center. People said, where's your training center for women's soccer? How do they do so well? Six of those girls played for UNC, played at Carolina. 23 of them were all were American kids, and uh, every one of them had a scholarship. Now, you, you uh, take scholarship out of the deal, uh, that girl's going to play lacrosse. She's going to maybe play softball. But people say, why don't we get the top athletes? We don't get the top athletes because the door has been to close to them scholarship-wise. So my position all, all along has been uh, work on that. Now, it's an easy thing to say, John. You can say, well, we need some more scholarships for American kids, but it's not an easy thing to do. But I do think uh, that it's the right thing to do. And I, the reason I've harped on it so much, uh, I don't have a uh, dog in the hunt now. My kids are grown. Uh, <clears throat> but I know of all the – you're not talking about uh, something that doesn't matter. Sports in America is very important. Uh, you're not talking about tennis. You're talking about basketball. You're talking about soccer. You're talking about anything that's international. So uh, if we run kids out of sports uh, because some kid from a foreign land beats them out, then what are they going to do? They're going to do ex- extreme sports or go to the bar or wind up doing the other thing and play video games all day long. That's not just tennis. That's the health of the American public. We, uh, all you got to do is look at obesity in America. If we could quit exercising, then uh, there's no telling uh, uh, about the health of the people in the country. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, if, you, if you believe in sports, you believe in the good things about sports, then there's some bad things. There's some bad things in, in tennis and sports. There's more gambling going on. We know what to do with it or not. But the issue, the place, the focal point where all the pressure needs to go is on scholarships. Now, if the NCAA doesn't budge with it, I don't know what you do. Does the school say come in and say uh, we're we're not going to fire the coach for losing? We understand the situation. That's not the American way, John. That isn't the way that it works. The the coaches are never going to apt to move to a lesser position. Now, uh, the USTA, if you appeal to them and say, look, you guys got a handful of money, won't you come in here and reward? schools or players, American players, and give them scholarships, uh, then the next thing you know, uh, somebody's going to call you xenophobic or somebody's you – know, what, what probably happens is they go to a meeting where they make those kind of decisions and they got more big issues. They talk about football or basketball or money, and tennis gets shoved on the back burner. Now, who should be uh, concerned about the, the – the, we go up there and put a half-million-dollar roof on uh, New York for the U.S. Open, and if we don't do something, we're not going to have anybody qualifies to play under that roof. Uh, so 
uh, I've talked long and hard now, and and I I know you, you may want to jump in, or if you want me to keep going, I can do that. Now, what I have prepared to do is to go through and just pick out topics uh, that I've dealt with on the blog and say, now, look, I can talk 30 minutes about this. Here's one. What would happen if you had uh, 75% of your kids' Uh, their scholarships went to American kids. What would you happen? Would you have as good a teams? Heck no. You wouldn't have anywhere near as good a teams because those are international kids. They are not only good, they are bright. They don't give you any trouble. And you can talk to all the kids that dealt with the large majority of the international kids are great kids. I never have said you ought not to have them. I benefited from them. Uh, and it's uh, <clears throat> I watch American kids look at them, and these people can speak better than I can. Their language is better. They go to class on time. Uh, they do everything right now, and uh, they work harder than I do on the tennis court. Uh, why are they beating me? So we have to recognize that it's a, a good way to make our players better, but it's just don't give your lunch away. Don't give it all away. Use that to the betterment of our kids. Our kids get better when they play those people. But if they don't ever have a chance to be in the lineup, uh, they don't get better from playing. They quit playing. They go uh, They go to the university, and uh, they are number one in their state. They Surely I can play. And the next thing you know, uh, they're number 13 on the team. And they go to the bars. So uh, if we had... Our kids playing, the play would not be uh, as good, but I'll guarantee you this, we'd have more people coming to watch them play. Uh, when I coached uh, both the girls and the guys, we didn't have international girls or had very few of them, and we'd have three or four people, more people come to watch the girls play because they knew the girls. You'll have an international team playing, and nobody's there. Uh, I could call the name of a, a school and I asked the person, why don't you get some kids from your own state in the lineup? And he said, our viewing public would not tolerate it. And <laughs> we were playing on a Sunday. It was 80 degrees, and the only other person there to watch us play was his financial aid officer. Nobody was going to see those people play. Uh, now, they get to beat on the chest when they win. Uh and that's another thing. You take winning away from America. Our kids, every you look at every all-conference team, every team that's got an MVP, any coach of the year, all those awards go to international kids. So we need a piece of that pie. And I've um, I've preached about it to the point that people think I'm a heretic or um, overdosed down here uh, at the coast, but uh, it's not going away. It's... Uh, but it may be that the climate now has has uh, made it, made the problem as a more aware. It's it's becoming more aware in other sports. Eleven top uh, top uh, round draft picks in basketball in the NBA. Eleven of those people were international. Okay, what does that mean? That means there's eleven. Slots that a poor kid, uh, and they're not all poor kids, I don't mean that, but you take a basketball player who's worked all his life to play, uh, give his family a way to get out of the ditch, uh, and now all of a sudden that goes to a kid from Serbia 
There's nothing wrong with a guy from Serbia, but you just every time you give one of those people a job or a scholarship, you bump in an American kid. So now all of a sudden, a basketball player is one of the plays. They, I've been able to move in that direction, and all of a sudden, we're, we're, there's an influx of international kids coming in. I think that has to be dealt with. Uh, we uh, have, you know, other sports where. Uh, pretty pretty sacrosanct. Now, if you have uh, lacrosse, for example, uh, a lot of kids now are moving to lacrosse because hey, that's where my buddies play. When you uh, uh, grow up in a little pack of guys in town or girls, then everybody gets in that van and goes to play that. So we we saw that was soccer. Uh, we put Title Nine in. It was a perfect example of why it is wrong. We put Title IX in in 1970 for our women. It's one of the greatest things that we did as a country. Uh, and like I say, look at that soccer team to realize that. But uh, we had right here in our state of North Carolina, Duke University had the best golf team in America, about uh, the women's team, about two years ago. And there was an American girl on the roster. Now, I'm not, I don't think in my mind, that Title IX was geared to financing international sports for women. I don't think that's what the money was intended to be or the law was intended to be. So that gets me in trouble with people saying it, but I, I'm beyond, I'm like Bob Dylan says, uh, people are crazy and times are strange, but I'm locked in tight. I'm out of range. You can't hurt me now. <laughs> that, uh, I'm, I'm saying the truth and I'm saying uh, from 1970 to now, there's never been a year or a time that I didn't say, hey, we need to do something about this for the United States of America. Then I'm not some uh, raving, flag-waving patriot that uh, uh, is a heretic. Uh, uh, but, and I've got to tell you that people in Florida figured it out quicker than anybody. They knew this was going on a long time ago. They knew it was wrong. So I've applauded what uh, the junior colleges of Florida have done. Uh, I admire what you all have done in high school tennis. And, my, of course, your passion and my passion of uh, of high school tennis, That's uh, that really is what I became involved in later. Uh, t- college tennis is going to go its own way, uh, but I hate to see a kid – you know, come out of one percent of kids play, one percent of high school athletes play in college, and then if you say ninety percent of those kids are international, what does that happen to to a family of people who want their child to play tennis? Uh, what happens to tennis as a sport in America? Uh, and we've seen it first of all about the quality of the players. If you say, well, um, the only people that have done real well. In, in uh, professional tennis from America, have been uh, maybe Isner and Query and, and uh, uh, Stan Johnson, Stan Johnson and Isner, uh, the Bryan brothers. All of those people played college tennis. The Williams were an anomaly. They were just the grandest. To think about the fact that the Williams sisters came out of the background they did with no UST development. The father did it. The girls were just tremendous athletes. But they were uh, 
we, who's the number three or four American girl now? You got to go down, yeah. down, down to find anybody uh, that can Tom, play. I think we and, have. I think we have Ashley uh, Hobson uh, on the line, and I know you know Ashley like uh, I do, and I I just I'd like to get him. And Ashley, are you there? Hey, Ashley, John, how are is you? That you? Good. Yes, sir. Good. How are you? Have you been? I don't know if you. I know you're just getting off the court. Have you heard uh, Tom at all? I think he's pretty much described the problem. What I haven't got into, well, two things. Number one, do you have a question or suggestion for Tom to put into uh, the great amount of work he did? And number two, in the back of my mind, and like I said in part three of uh, my article about change, which was in this issue of tennis, I think we all have to take blame. I, I, I get you know, we blame the USTA, we blame the NCAA, we blame everybody, and I think we're to blame. And I think about, I think it was a year and a half ago when I had you on the broadcast, and you talked about mentoring and what they, you know, when you were coaching in Europe and everything and what's going on, and you offered to mentor high school coaches at your camp. And out of that, Ed Crash came along, and he offered, and, Oh, there was a couple other ones. I hate to mention the names because I don't want to leave somebody out, but they all took your lead. And the truth of the matter is we didn't have that many high school coaches that stepped up and, you know, what a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, so that's what I say. I think we're all to blame. So how do how are you looking at college tennis? We're talking with a big part of – your business is these international players, but like Tom says, they're taking up our scholarships. So I'm going to leave you two for a couple of minutes. I'm here listening, but go ahead. Um, thanks a lot, John. Um, Tom, good to hear you speak. Um, I tell, excuse me, on excuse the, me. Tell me, tell me who I'm listening to. Excuse me. This is Ashley Hobson. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, go ahead. I, I just wanted to know who I'm talking to. Right. No, um, I'm sorry. I, I just came on the uh, last two minutes of that, and I heard just the um, brief ending there. Um, yeah, I obviously think there needs to be some cap on internationals playing um, college tennis. Um, we're just we're 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 hurting our own players domestically here, um, and you know there can be some. There does, doesn't there have to be like a radical change, like the Davis Cup. Um, was, but there needs to be definitely caps on internationals coming into play. And then I hear the college coaches telling me back, you know, that the, the American players don't work hard and, and all this. Well, just you've got to recruit better, and then you've, you've got to recruit the players from, you know, the coaches where you know they work hard. I mean, it's it's easy way to get around it, but I think definitely there needs, needs to be a cap on, on recruiting um, internationals and, uh, you know, maybe a certain percentage of the team has to be uh, American players. How would you propose? I think there are an awful lot of people that have very valid positions on both sides of the thing. And I I go right right back to the kids that I had that were international. In about a week, I didn't even think of them as international. They were my kids, and they were like anybody else. Uh, But, you know, the next thing you know, uh, he's got a brother, he's got a cousin, she's got a sister, and there you are, and you can have a really good team, 
if you bring over number four and five. And uh, so you have to – I can't say to any coach, don't recruit an all-foreign team because the fact of the matter, that's who's playing over here. Now, what I've suggested is that we have uh, some – you're going to take some pretty big wheels to get people to move. Now, uh, I think the answer is scholarships. That's where I would focus but how to do it, I don't know. Uh, well, how would you say? How we we want to we want to change this? What would be a proposal that a local uh, tennis pro or a uh, tennis person or parent? Uh, what what's what's real? What what uh, where do we go? I didn't get it done. I'm on the failing end of it. Well, I think we need to obviously limit the number of of players that are allowed to play on each team and. Maybe for each division of tennis, uh, division one, two, three, you know, we need to uh, absolutely, ca- you know, cap it. I mean, obviously, if you're playing division one and you're top 20 in the in the nation, you're looking at maybe a viable pro career after you play. So, you know, we we need to, um, you know, maybe uh, leave a certain more percentage or a, or a lesser percentage of foreign players to play that, and then as you go down the the uh, division two, division three, and in AIA, you know, cap it maybe a little bit more, but definitely something needs to be done about you know capping the amount of players that are are coming in. And uh, of course, we you know they feel like family after you work with them for a little while. But we just need to remember all those American kids who are not getting those scholarships. Scholarships. Um, where is, they where is your be getting. Where is your home? Where um, are you Brandon's from? In the Braden's in Florida right now. Florida, Tom. We were down there with him. He was our host down there in Bradenton. But where did you go to high school? I was in, I'm I'm from South Africa originally. All right. So yeah, I I can tell that. Um, I, I had South African kids. I admire them. But I'm I'm here's the here's the point. I've asked every kid that I have, would your country allow this to happen in their country? And I put that to you. To play, would you, uh, would, you, would your in, country in allow Americans to come over there and take their uh, rugby rugby programs if they were just simply because <laughs> they were better? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think they would allow it. I mean, that, you know, that, that, it's, that's it's, what I said. Everybody, it's a pretty simple answer. Yeah, I see. That's what that's what bothers me. Is that as a and I know I'm Southern, so you can tell that too. But I'm saying that. As soon as you say anything, they well, you're, you're prejudiced, you're xenophobic. Well, uh, I just think that I don't mind adopting a child, but I think I want to feed my children first. And uh, totally, uh, so I'm interested in opinions. Like I say, I I didn't get it done. Uh, I don't think it was all on me, but I I, I can tell you, I'd, you can go back and uh, uh, read these articles that have been written for years and years. And I took it as a cross to bear, and I think that I've been I I walked out of a meeting with at the NAI and had argued for a, a quota till I was blue in the face, and got voted down. And as I walked out, the head man was a man named Charlie Morris. And he grabbed me by the shoulder, and, uh, whispered in my ear, said, "You're right, don't quit." And I have tried to not quit. And I don't feel any less right now that I am right, not just me. Uh, I think that, you know, if we 
if we give sports away in any fashion, then it's bad for the country. So there's two sides. Ashley, can can I interject just for a moment? Because you made a comment before. And I don't. I, I want to just go off subject just for a little. And we. And I don't think we are. Don't. I don't want to be so bold to assume your subject. But you said we shouldn't make such drastic changes like we did on Davis Cup. Can you give me an example of what you consider a drastic change that we did with the uh, Davis Cup revision? Um, as regards Davis Cup, or as, as regards college tennis. <laughs> No, well, I mean, can the two of them, I guess I'm thinking, I apologize. I think I was thinking of previous conversations and assuming. But I, I think one of the things that you objected to was, uh, you know, the, the reducing the uh, three out of five sets. And you uh, you mentioned to me about you enjoyed the home and home, the importance of going to another country or receiving the other country when you were Davis Cup uh, coach. And I think that, you know, I think the payback is going to go all the way down to college. And then, you know, we already affected it in high school because I ask that question every week, is high school tennis an after-school activity or an after-school sport? So I apologize for thinking for you, but tell me if you think there's any connection or not. Um, yeah, definitely. I think there's a connection. I think, I think honestly, and I, and I, I think it comes down to one thing: money. It comes down mm-hmm. to money because, you know, the college coaches want to win, so they want to uh, keep their jobs, so they they they'll get the best players they can in. Not not necessarily only Americans every time. Davis Cup. It came down to the same thing. I had a. A friend of mine at the AGM um, in uh, in Orlando when they voted for this, and he said to me, "Really, basically, it comes down to money." And you know that's unfortunate uh, because uh, you know there's a lot of traditions that go by, and there are a lot of things that are are ruined because of money. And um, I think uh, you know Davis Cup and and Carl's tennis is it's, it's the same. It all comes down to money, and I think we're monetizing tennis you know way too much. Okay. Let me. Well, I, let's pre- go back I to... appreciate your remark. I think I have Marcus uh, Dayton on the other line. Let me bring him into the conversation. Uh, those of you that don't know, he runs uh, the recruiting video uh, at Facebook, and he does a phenomenal job. I've had him on the broadcast, I think, a year or so ago. Marcus, is that you? Yes, I'm here, Coach. How are you? Can you hear me? Uh, I don't know how much I'm of the good. conversation you yeah, heard. I can hear you, Marcus. I, I can. I can hear. This is Parham. I can hear you. Okay. I can okay. hear. I can good. hear John too. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, uh, part of the discussion went back to an ITA uh, uh, back in the seventies when uh, there was a fifty-fifty uh, rule and uh, voting for it and voting it there. I understand in 220 there might be a proposal for that again. Uh, can you discuss that? And uh, and I think uh, I'd like to hear, uh, I, I, we talked to before about the women in tennis because I think what uh, Tom was saying before about the value of Title IX, it would be interesting uh, 
uh, your comments. Can you address those two things? Okay, so I'll address the first one, and then I'll go into the second one. Um, the first one, of course, is the idea that there are, there are four groups that have been actively working, pushing the ITA and the NCAA and the NAIA to the idea of being one of four things, uh, 10% American, only 10% international, 50% American, 50% international, or based off a percentage of university. Now, if it did go to percentage of university, now the two that the two that front runners, because nobody's going to go with the ten percent stuff anyways. But the two front runners in that in that idea is going back to the old fifty percent rule, like it used to be. Um, the the next one would be based off the percentage of how many international students you have on your campus as to how many international students you could put onto a team. That's not just tennis, but that would be the NCAA and and probably the ITA, you know, and the NCAA uh, working with uh, the NAIA, hopefully, and maybe even JUCO. I don't know. But in this sense of the idea, it would be beneficial a uh, big time to, like, uh, anybody that does D3 or what have you that has, you know, the bulk of the D3 universities are the ones who have that many international students to where they – some there's some and there's one in Georgia D3 that is at like 75% international student base. You know that's right. how they survived over the years, and that's going to that would change the face of tennis. Unfortunately, it, would, it in one part you could say it's going to hurt the face of tennis, and that will bring us into the second part of your question. Um, but in in my view, the 50/50 rule is fine, and. The thing is, most athletic directors think that's coming anyways. And it's not just us. That's, that's an NCAA thing. So with the 50-50 rule, you look at, like, the university that my daughter's at, Shorter University, they were so excited to get her um, in the end because they got a good, solid American player. And for every international that they're taking in any, any sport, they're taking one American. They, they're already preparing for that to happen. And there are many other universities that are happening, and there's a lot of other schools here. I mean, I've heard it from coaches on a weekly basis that say, I don't even know what I'm going to do when it comes. I try to recruit American players, and I can't get them. And so there, there's the issue. So stepping forward from that idea um, to what you were talking about, the shortage of female players right now for, the, you know, for, for tennis, you're looking at millions of dollars in unclaimed scholarship money currently. You're, you've got a situation where just me alone, and I'm one guy. I have a list of, I think it's 130, 132, somewhere in there, of universities that are still looking for girls actively right now that will take them up to the next week and, and ones for spring. At that same time, of that list, like 64 of them right now don't have a roster of six. They're going to, they're going to their – lunch rooms and saying who knows how to play tennis you know raise your hand will you play tennis or they're going to volleyball or you know whatever sports are playing right now the girl sports and they're going hey can when they're when your kid's done you want to keep them you know active let them play tennis for me because this is what's going on and it's it's not i i don't know how to put it but how can i say this it's it's not a grade issue Right now, it is a situation where we have girls who are 
averaging in tennis, we're, we're much – how do I say that? I'm trying to figure out the best wording for this. I, I'll just say it. As far as sports goes, we're, we're, we're top of the end of what – us in golf, of what kids – like, for instance, here at my – at our school here, um, we had a graduation class for our high school of 436 kids. Only 51 of them were going to college, unfortunately. That's very sad, and that's pretty much how it is across America right now. But at that 51%, I mean, I sat up there at honors night and looked at all these kids who played golf and tennis who are all getting scholarships, and I saw a football players sitting out there in the audience that didn't do anything. You know, and like when I go to city council and I go to our county commission and I say, look, we need this amount of money you just gave football $750,000 to get their high school. You know, we didn't, we won one game last season and I'm starting out with a, you know, budget of 1600 bucks, you know, and, but we're the one putting the kids in the college, even if they're not going to play college sports, they're still the ones who are receiving and going off to college. We didn't have a single player kid from our girls' team last year, and we graduated a lot of seniors. One went off to play college tennis, which was my own daughter, and you know, and several had offers to play for JUCO and D3s, and they chose not to. They go in the University of Alabama and Auburn. You know why? Because they all had 30s and 32s on their ACTs, and that's what's killing us. You are watching mm-hmm. right now where we're going to a national L2 um, here in Montgomery just recently. Went down there, hung out with a bunch of coaches. We all shot the, the bull. We walked around and talked to these girls, and girls said, oh, I'm not doing that. My dad wants me to go to the University of Florida. Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm, my, dad, my, dad's, my dad's sending me to Harvard, and, you know, Excellent we've already got our point. money done. We're getting down to 25 minutes left. And I know, Ashley, I appreciate you taking time out. Ashley, can you take the next five minutes and then uh, go to Tom and then back uh, uh, to uh, Marcus again? Because I would like to hear comments from each of you, and I I, I do appreciate you leaving your group, uh, Ashley. So go ahead. Um, thanks, John. Um, good hearing from you, Marcus. Uh, yeah, I I think. Um, you know, women's tennis, I know there's a big dose of players wanting to play, uh, you know, college tennis. And then I have, you know, a couple of players, you know, looking. So it's kind of a weird, weird dynamic there. There's some huge openings, but then there's openings where they like, well, the girls doesn't want to go to this college and can go to another college um, based on various other factors, you know. So um, that is, that is an issue um, with the girls. Basically, I'm, I'm trying to say we need to produce more, more girls coming out who want to go to play college tennis. A lot of the top girls who are really good, they're not going to go the college tennis route. The college tennis is the, is there. It's not even plan B. It's plan C or D. If they're a good good tennis player, they're going to go turn pro at, you know, 17, 18, or at least give it a shot, and then maybe college later and not even, you know, play college tennis. So that's the thing with the girls. They're just mature earlier. The good ones are going to play, try and play pro um, out, of, out of college. And, um, frankly, I, I don't blame them. Um, the level of college tennis, women's college tennis, is a high-level ITF um, level, or it's a it's about a fifteen thousand dollar, which is the lowest level of um, women's pro. That that's that's the level. Um, about eighty percent of the time, um, the top twenty percent, maybe not. The um, thing with the uh, scholarships, yeah, definitely we need there needs to be a cap on on scholarships where we're 
and it's demotivating for the American athletes to see this. And, and, the, and the kids figure out pretty soon. They look at the college rosters and they look at the uh, players, you know, playing for these teams. And they're like, well, I haven't got a 12 UTR yet. So, you know, how am I going to play for this team? So it's, it's, it's not only is it it's demotivating for the players, uh, American players. I'm not saying we make it easy for them. But I do say we need Actually, to can I, can um, open it up a little bit more. Yes, sir. So what, which one do you support, the 50% or the percentage? Because me personally, I support the 50% because the percentage yeah. is going to hurt D1 in a, in a yeah. way beyond what you could ever believe yeah. or what the level Absolutely. of tennis will be. Yeah. No, you can't do it based on the on the level of college because each college is different. And I think the and so going forwards, I think we're just going to get more and more foreign kids in, in into colleges itself, you know. So 50-50 at least. At, well, I would even do – I would do less than that. I'll do less than 50 I take it then, uh, Ashley, that you agree. I had uh, uh, Nick Saviano on the broadcast a couple of months ago, and he says that he get the girls at 16, 17 years old and mature enough to develop enough where they could play uh, tennis, where a boy, there's no way. The girl's just uh, ready sooner. So this is, this is one Agreed. of the factors that you agree with that why some of these girls yeah. are looking to go pro yeah. earlier. Exactly, exactly. It's not even a plan B. The guys, it might be a plan B, but for the girls, it's a plan C or D. Now, Tom, did wealth. anything you do? I think, Tom, do you, do you understand why not just myself, but so many people are pushing you to stay active in the, in your fight and that the fight isn't over now. Have you heard anything from each one of these gentlemen that are very knowledgeable on the issue that, is going to, that you say, I'm going to tear up this uh, section of what I've done because it's wrong? Yeah, I'm going to be real um, frank with you and, and um, try not to get emotional. When I fought uh-huh. this battle for years and years, I would people say, yeah, uh-huh, and never pay any attention to it. When I hear the quality of these two guys and the fact that they are concerned about this, that they know it's a problem, it makes me feel like it was not all in vain. And I'm appreciative to the people. When we started, when I started coaching, they gave the job that anybody would take it. We got so many good coaches now and i want to i want to uh I, i'm sincere about this. you you young guys uh there's they're going to be people who come right after you because you're talking about their livelihood you they can't do it without the international kids and it's i know that's a problem but we've got to when we look at if you go back, if you go back on the blog, is an I, I analyzed the top ten American kids in the country, or men tennis, in the top, uh, and I analyzed who's in the, the ITA Hall of Fame. The the professional levels were filled with American kids in the 1970s and 80s. Now what happened? Yep. We took the scholarships away from those kids. That's that's what went on. Now, I don't want to be talking down to you, but the 50-50 rule has never been implemented anywhere. It's never been in effect. So uh, you're talking about something that I wrote the rule for the ITA, and and I thought we had it approved. And I went through that earlier in the broadcast. You might have missed that. But if you go to the blog, 
uh, or if you go to that helping thing, there's a history of all that. Now, you two guys are kindred spirits to me. And and yet you got to have a bond of winter boys. You've got to get in there and, and do your homework. Go to that helping, the that thing helping, the PDF that I wrote, and there's 200 pages of information on pro and con. Uh, there's the information in there about all the players in the college tennis in 1975 and the reasons they didn't want to have a quota. All the, uh, it deals with uh, uh, people from all around the world. There are all kinds of information written about this. So you got to study it, and you got to do your homework. So I'm not talking down to you, but I can tell you this. Another thing that was right in the middle of all this is when we, uh, when we moved everything to an academy. American people do not want their children in academies. Now, you can tell me about all the people that have come through them and done good, but our kids go with the Bryants, who taught them, their daddy, go with the Williams, who taught them, their father, go with Chris Everett, go with Connors, go with uh, up and down, left and right. Nobody cares more about a child than the parent does. Now, he may not be uh, Vic Braden, he may not know, but he's going to pay the bill, and he's going to get up early in the morning and take the kid. So our kids, we wrote off, we went with this academy thing, and i got to tell you, they didn't do dip. Uh, I don't I don't want to throw rocks at Donald Young, but uh, we, we didn't come any away with anything. You look at the money we invested that, and that old pro that had that kid that came out there every day, and he loved that kid, nurtured that kid. The parents went where they had to go and spent $100,000 on airplanes if they had to. That's the way we did it in this country, and don't throw that away. So when a parent and a child makes it, yeah. Tom, I have to interject for uh, a moment here for a couple reasons. I uh, I did a commentary a few weeks ago uh, about my grandchildren, and I've got two grandchildren uh, that uh, went the baseball round. Uh, their mother played high school tennis. Their uh, father was a good baseball player but played uh tennis later on and they used to come down in January and he'd help me with my better uh, uh, players. Their uncle uh, was a college uh, uh, player and uh, he uh, started the John Denise School of Tennis. I was the other John Denise in there. I always tell people, no, he's the star of this out there. And the kids went into baseball. Now I will say this here. I had Florida and then uh, I'm biased like everybody else. I'm, uh, I would never I've, – I've seen, and my son had your argument about the academy down there when there was just one academy down there, and uh, now there's more. My daughters have sent her um, boys through uh, academies, and they both have scholarships, and uh, although I'm – I asked the question, what's wrong with tennis? Why aren't we sending our high school kids to the pros like baseball? And that's in this article in Florida Tennis Magazine. But I think you were at the Inspiration Academy in Florida. And uh, I I would encourage anybody, when you're talking about academies, all these academies, there's a lot of academies throughout the country that it's about tennis, 
there are some academies that are about life. And uh, and this is one of the reasons why I invited Ashley on because that academy hey, coach, could, could, is about could I ask life. A question? Yes. Tom, are you there? Can you still hear me? Yeah. Hear me? Yeah. Okay. So the powers that be at, at the ITA over the years have said that they had that in effect. And the thing was, none of us could find anything showing where that was because it was pre-internet. You know, I mean, so you're saying that that rule was written but never went into effect, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Oh, I, see, well, you and I need to get together because I've said that. Well, I, 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 I can tell you now how to do this, but let me tell me you that. how to do it. Yeah. Let me go ahead and tell you. Go to – look at my – I gave him my blog, okay? If you go to the blog – there's this uh, book called Helping, and in the second half of that is all that history. There's a history of, of the vote, when it occurred, uh, how it came down. Now, did you hear me earlier about this? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I did. All right. Well, what I'm saying is they had they approved it. They voted it in, and then the big boys scared them. Now, I'm, I'm burying yeah. my soul right on in public, but they the, the large majority – when that came down, bud, the uh, membership, the large part of the membership said, we don't want to go this route of everybody having an all-foreign team and just playing, uh, you know, among themselves over here. We're going to stop that. They made that decision, but the big boys ran them out of it. Now, I, I, I'll, see, I'll, Nick, go to, I'll, I'll go to the mat saying that's what happened. I could be proved. I've said this publicly three or four times, and nobody has ever come to me, and the man that knows it, David Benjamin, oh, nobody has ever well, see, come I've, to me and said, and said to me, you're wrong about that. See, I hurt my back, so I didn't go to the Open this year, but there's a lot going on at the Open, but I've had lots of discussion with coaches, even Coach Denise and I have had this discussion. We, you know, I, next year, I'm due to go as long as everything goes okay and we don't see a president impeach, but um, I'm due to go uh, to Washington and speak with Vice President Pence and Betsy Voss and another person from immigration that's been invited. And I'm supposed to sit down with them, and I, I want to bring some people with me, and that's what I'm waiting for approval for. Um, you know, like I, I even spoke with Jennifer just recently from Midwest, you know, from the college hub there. And, right. you know, th these things need to be addressed. And, we also need to understand it, it, it can't be a rule that is going to hurt college tennis at the same time. You know, it can't be a percentage rule. To me, if it does go 50-50, you know, we're, we're, the colleges that I have seen go 50-50 already in anticipation are doing okay. Now, some of them, yes, the coaches have six internationals, and then they go recruit six Americans, and sometimes it's just some high school-level player that's on a D1 team. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, you know, I mean, but, you know, coaches got to do what the coach got to do. But for me, I, you know, the information has got to get out there and it can't be another time where we, where we damage college tennis. It's got to be, if we do do this, if it does happen, then it's got to be implemented in a way where it's healthy for college tennis. And it's got to be, and not only that, but the players have to be there. Where are they supposed to go find these American female players? Sure, you can go find an American male player, but where are you supposed to go find these American female players? Currently, we are setting records for two things right now for the history of tennis. 
in college tennis. Excuse me, in college tennis, we're setting the history record right now for the all-time amount of um, uh, positions jumped or college coaches that have quit and left college and being replaced by younger guys, which is not a bad thing in itself. But I mean, every day on my on my on my on my post, you know, in my group, I show another coach that's had a new position or another coach who was a player that's come up now he's coaching. And that's happening. But the second record that we're setting is the all-time time that we're going to end up having teams that don't have six players, that teams that only have four players on a roster, real tennis players on a roster, and they're going to end up going to their lunchroom. And we need a way. We need people like you that, that are – that know it and have been it and lived it, you know, and guys like me and Ashley that are picking up the torch for you and, and same thing for Coach Creasy, that the rules have to be addressed and the problems have to be addressed and we have to fix – we can't just start at the top. We have to start somewhere down at the bottom and work our way to fixing it to the top. Listen to me a minute. You sound like me. You got the <laughs> fire in your gut, bud, and I'm 80 years old. So – I'm on your side now. What I've been telling you is over and over again is I've written this. I've written 250 articles uh, that are, and I'm giving them to you. I, I, if you will, if you will get me your mailing you address, me. I want you to go with I'll me. I'll go Washington. with you anywhere. I would have okay. gone any damn time anybody said that anybody would okay. listen. I got laughed down, and they're going to get out to your ass. I can tell you that. But I, I don't mind fighting them. I don't, I, I don't mind fighting them. And uh, I think that, you know, you made a reference to Trump, and I'm no big fan of him either. But if you've got a conservative Supreme Court who and the, the, the resistance, and let me tell you where this thing, the shit hit the fan, excuse my language. When we got uh, down to uh, going to the courthouse to, to litigate this thing, we, we felt like it was legal to have a, uh, have a quota. And then they ran coal. We don't have the money to do that. I'm telling you, the USTA ought to have, they got so much money, I don't want to do with it. They ought to be on board saying, we'll go right to the uh, courtroom with you because you're right. Now, I'll argue that before Trump or uh, FDR. Right. That, and that's right. Thing. And you're I, right I, on it. And I did, I'll go I'm right up there with you. You'll have to order. sit on me. <laughs> I'm not easy about it. And I'm old, but I, 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 I've waited my lifetime for somebody to say, why don't you come help us with this? Now, you but tell John, me right the USTA, now. The USTA said they wouldn't support the position, right? No, they won't support it. Yeah, they won't support it. Well, the USTA no. says that's the NCAA. That's their business. Well, if the USTA is the same crowd that built a half-million-dollar roof up there, and they're going to have anybody to come play. And the reason they're not playing, fellas, it's not those girls up there that that are uh, uh, not playing. Or they say that our kids are sorry kids, and I get so irritated about that. I spent 40 years in a college. You don't know the quality of these kids coming out here. we got some bad ones. There have always been some bad ones. But you put the – now, what scares me about it is not international games. It's video games and all this stuff. They abdicate exercise altogether. That's a, that's a fault line that I've written about, and that is a real problem, and I don't know exactly how to deal with that. Uh, but if you the, – the, For me. We went – to watch when – in 1980, somebody said, i got a daughter – She's in the 10th grade, 11th grade. You've just been through this. 
You guys, what do I do with her? I would have said, there's not 10 girls in America that can shoot 85. Teach her to play golf. And she'd go anywhere in the country she wants to. Now, Duke University is the best institution in our state. We don't let an American girl on that team. See, how many girls tried and got bumped? If you keep bumping them, then they are going to continue to pick something else. Exactly, and they're going to stop trying. Tell me that. Tell me that boy's name right there. I've just talked to. What's your name again? Tell me. Marcus Dayton, D A Y T O. And I actually follow your stuff, Coach. <laughs> um, but for me, I'm not. I'm not a Trump supporter. I am a Republican, but I'm not a Trump supporter. I never was. But as per what I've been discussing with the staff, here's the thing: Trump wants a legacy just like Obama did. Obama took Title IX. He added the LGBT stuff to it. And Trump wants to add the stuff about the 50% rule for protecting American players. Now me, the reason why I think I was chosen and invited and talked to about all this is because everybody will tell you if you talk to a college coach, Mark Dayton's a nice guy. He supports internationals just as much as he supports American players, but he has his opinions about wanting Americans go if they can. And that's just how I am. But I, there's not one single time on my post that you will not see me post an international player that deserves a spot and has a spot. And I support teams that have plenty of internationals on them. Financially, I support teams that have – I mean, I've done my fair share to save college teams that were about to disappear and pick up the phone and call the athletic director and say, how much money do you need? You know? So it's, it's – you know, as a retired guy that retired in 2009, I have the time on my hands, but – you know, sometimes I'm like just like you. I felt like I was out here fighting the good fight on my own, you know, and, and picking up the torch where you left off and others have left off, you know, about what we need, where we need. You're, you're not done yet, Coach, just like John said. You're not done yet. And we need it. We need we. I need you as the guy who's knowledgeable and still knows the path instead of somebody. So when somebody does speak up at the ITA and so we did that one time, and you'll go, no, you didn't because you never passed it. And you've got the proof, and you know, which is nearly impossible for a guy like me to find because I always go look at. You know, I'm 50 years old. I go look at it from the internet. And, you know, Ashley, how, how old are you now, Ashley? I'm 53. So he's 53. We need even younger guys than us. We need those 30-year-olds and those 25-year-olds. Unfortunately, though, their their athletic directors are out there telling them you got to go find kids to win, and then at the same time they're going to tell them you got to go pick 50% Americans. And sometimes those Americans aren't available, and sometimes they are. But we're, what we're going to have to understand is, is it going to change the face of college tennis? Is the level going to change at a period of time? Probably so. But at the same time, it's those tennis pros out there and those coaches out there and those academies like John was talking about, pick up, or, or Tom was talking about, pick up the torch and say at the same time, hey, we got to elevate the tennis to what it was in the 70s at our academies here in the United States. We can't just sit back and think, oh, yeah, well, mom and dad are going to go ahead and pay anyways, and the kid will go play intramural tennis, and I've collected my $100,000 over the five, six years I've worked with them, and then the kid didn't even play tennis in college. And unfortunately, let me throw throw a a crazy statement out there, and, uh, you know, we don't don't have time to talk about that. I appreciate you going on there, but... I've been accused of being a dreamer, and, well, truthfully, I plead guilty to it. I don't think I'm too old to stop dreaming uh, yet. 
So I am a dreamer. But Ashley brought up in, I don't know, about a year and a half ago about mentoring like they did in France and everything. And like I said earlier, yep. we tried to have our high school coaches. I, I would love to be able to claim it was a success. It truthfully was a failure. Uh, but let me throw out one more crazy idea, and let's give some thought to it. I, I believe that the USTA should be mentoring people in each one of its sections around the country. How do we tie the colleges in? So how about if the USTA was going to sponsor, let's say, just two scholarships? They're going to completely fund two scholarships in each one of the uh, sections around the country. Is that that crazy of an idea? I mean, do, do we need another new stadium can, and another can, new roof? Can, uh, can, I, can, I, can, can we I better that spend one? the money there? <laughs> I'll, I, can I give you my answer? Okay, first off, yes. the, the USDA already gives scholarships, but they only give them to the top tier of the top tier. So like here in Alabama, where I'm living at now, now I'm from Florida, but here in Alabama, the top girl, the top girl gets a scholarship no matter what. It isn't the girl based off of And the sad part is I've seen that top girl take that scholarship, go play somewhere like a Spring Hill College, and then quit after a year. And there were 10 other girls that were more deserving that had put in the work and were, were going to go play D3 or D2. And it, it, what happens is the bragging rights of them being able to say, so-and-so's playing D1, you know, and half the time when that so-and-so goes and plays D1, they're at the wrong school and it doesn't fit and they're not strong enough to play there. You know, and well, then you and I know that, days. and I spent eight years on the USTA Board of Directors in Florida, so I know the politics that goes on there. What I'm suggesting is maybe we, you know, coaches make these decisions. How can we tie that in so it's not done by, let's face it, the sections are no longer leading the USTA. The USTA is setting policies and telling the sections how to sit there and do it. Well, Ashley, wouldn't we have to? We'd have to fix the rules first because colleges can't be involved with high school players at all. We'd have to start there, right? Right, right. Yeah, we'd well, have to they can in their junior that, year, right? Yeah. Well, no, my, even in junior year, my daughter couldn't go over and play with the girls' team at JSU or up to the girls' team at UH, but she could go up there and play with the guys' team, you know, because it's not against the rules. But the rules ask you in the eligibility center if you've, you know, worked out or trained with any college, female college coach or any female college team. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you being on. We've just killed 90 minutes, and hopefully some people got good use out of it. I thank you all. Next week we'll have Ellen Fox on, and we'll talk to the good doctor. Remember the great thing about Blog Talk Radio, tell your friends they can listen anytime they want. Thank you, coaches. I appreciate all you do, and I thank you for taking the time uh, to be with me today.